Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Adam White and once again I'm joined by Jeremy Smith and Eric Devin to talk over the latest round of Ligue 1 fixtures across the weekend just finished into the international break now but much to talk about over another exciting weekend and of course uh, the Champions League and Europa League fixtures from mid-week. So we'll start off by running through the results from the weekend and get on, and then get on to talk about them individually. On Friday night, Lons beat Rans 2-0. Rans handicapped by a man sent off, a relatively simple win for Lons in the end. Saturday saw Montpellier and Strasbourg drew draw one each, and Nice and Brest played out a 2-1 victory for Nice, although much more comfortable victory than that score uh, appears there for, for Nice. They absolutely dominated that game. Sunday was a busy one. Uh, Rennes started off the day uh, at lunchtime on Sunday by beating PSG 2-0, a result that's been coming for some time for PSG after eight wins in a row uh, to start the season in France. Uh, Trois went to Nantes and lost 2-0. Lorient and Clermont drew one each. Mo- Monaco uh, again uh, gave a bit of a pasting to Bordeaux, who had a bit of a sorry start to the season 3-0. That ended and Angers got a late winner to beat Metz 3-2. Lille, for once, looked like the champions that they are and beat Marseille, an understrength Marseille, 2-0 on Sunday afternoon slash evening. And the derby on Sunday night was a high-octane encounter and finished one each. An exciting game, Sinetian, with a last-minute uh, penalty from Wabi Kadri in injury time uh, to steal a draw there, Etienne Green, brilliant for, for Sinetian, and Hossamauer finding some form for Lyon uh, for the first time in quite, quite some time. Looking like the, the player that perhaps uh, we, we thought he might be about 18 months, two years ago. But we'll start in uh, Rennes, uh, Jez. Uh, I, I wrote our, my and Eric's uh, column for The Guardian today and saying that this, this defeat for PSG has been, has been coming. Um, it, it felt like, uh, well, Pochettino even said beforehand that this was an important game and he was going to play all his best players because he knew that when they came back off the international break, the game against Angers would come too early for the South Americans because of their long trip. So this game was targeted by PSG, but it was a pretty limp, pretty weak performance after a brilliant one against Manchester City uh, in the week. Um, does this underline uh, issues in it that Paris have had throughout the season so far? And or is it just a bit of a blip? Is it something that we look at, look back on at the beginning of the season and think, well, you know, you know, it's a difficult league. There's a lot of a lot of good teams. Rennes spent a lot of money, and and it's not surprising that they they you know they're going to beat or compete with sides at the top end of the division. Um, or is it is there something deeper? What how do you see it at PSG at the moment? I think it's probably a little bit of all of that. Um, I think you know, to be fair to them, there's always going to be a sort of a bit of a come down from from such a big win. As the, as the Man City win in midweek. And um, sort of rightly or wrongly, there's there's certain players in that team who are sort of, you know, playing more, I guess, against history than they are against, um, I don't know, the likes of Rennes or, or Mess or, or Reims, whatever other teams. You know, people like Messi, he's playing, you know, he's at the stage now where all he needs to do is win Champions Leagues. Um and so it probably is difficult to, to kind of motivate yourself every single week. Um, and I'm surprised that the Pochettino played such a strong team, even with the international break coming up. I'd have thought a couple of, of those bigger names might have been rested. Um, but then on the other side of it, I think, as, as, as you said, and as a few of us have, have sort of been saying for a couple of weeks now, this kind of has been coming because although PSG had a 100% record up till now, They've convinced in very few of those matches 
Um, most recently, they've needed a couple of, of winners, literally with the last touch of the game, a couple of very dodgy refereeing decisions to help them out as well. So it's not such a massive shock. And, and then I guess sort of as a, as a more general thing, we kind of saw what, what we've been seeing maybe for, for a few years now from PSG. And by the way, you should, we should also add that Ren, who are very good anyway, are sort of a little bit of a sort of bogey team for PSG. And not only that, but Genesio, who of course has been <clears throat> so criticised over the years as Lyon manager, I think that's his, something like his fourth win in nine matches against PSG. So he's obviously got some kind of Indian sign over them as well. But um, yeah, just I think a lot of what we've seen from PSG sort of over the years and what we expect maybe looking at the team or the squad that they've got this year. Um, although Verratti was was back in and he's that link between sort of defence and attack, um, you know, he's he's literally only just coming back to full fitness and, and the City match must have taken a lot out of him. The, the front three or four, we know are still struggling to work out how to play with each other. Um, I thought it was interesting that there's been a few articles off the back of this match kind of really laying into Neymar, which I thought in some senses is kind of a little bit overdone, but in other ways, sort of, I'm surprised these articles haven't come out a bit earlier. I just think they're a little bit too vicious. But, you know, I think that's, he's got three goals in open play in 2021. There's an issue there. And, you know, Mbappe sort of had a, didn't have a great game, missed a few good chances, but we know has still come good several times for PSG over the last few months or years. Neymar, less and less so. Uh, Messi still sort of finding his feet, hit the bar again. I think that's the third time he's done that already since he's been at PSG. Um, but yeah, the, the front four are still struggling to gel together. Um, and then defensively, Hakimi, I thought, had his, his worst match for probably since he's joined PSG. So I think it's probably harsh to put too much criticism on him, even though he had a poor game. But for me, the, the big issue in defence is, is Kimpembe. I mean, again, Lekip seems to have their favourites. And every time I, I read a sort of report of Kimpembe's match, it's always, yeah, but he's played every match this season. He must be tired. He must be due a break. That's probably fair. But as far as I'm concerned, he's he's. Re- I don't know how he's getting into um, the 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 sort of France starting lineup every match, and um, for me, you know, the quicker Ramos gets to full fitness, the better, because I I just don't think Kimpembe's up to it. I really don't. So uh, PSG will win Ligue 1, but they will still struggle with matches either because there's not enough balance and understanding within their team or because I think some players switch off mentally for certain matches. Um, but these are these are issues that they need to sort out, again, if they're going to aspire to win the Champions League. And as we saw against Man City, we know that there's enough players in that team that are capable of switching it on, or even if they have a bad match, being able to come up with a match-winning um, piece of brilliance. Um, but there's still the same old issues that we see every year. And whether it's Pochettino or the players themselves that aren't finding the the sort of magic formula, it, it just, yeah, it just it still isn't working out exactly yet. Yeah, for sure, I can I definitely definitely agree with with a lot of, of what you said, and I 100 on Kimpembe. I think that I have my doubts over him. I think that the good version of Kimpembe is good enough to 
to sort of fill the slots that he's being asked to do at PSG and winning the Champions League, a team that's going to be challenging for the Champions League, again, the French national team. But he's so inconsistent in, in terms of his concentration and his, his sort of match smarts. He can, he can be sort of a bit easily flustered. Uh, and and that, that can get him in trouble a lot of the time. I, and Neymar as well is, is, a, is a great point. Uh, yeah, nine goals in 2021, six of them are penalties, um, which, which isn't the, the kind of, for, for PSG, obviously, um, which isn't the kind of output you expect from him. But I think the main point there that, that stuck out to me was Ren were brilliant. And Genesio is a coach that uh, specialises in these bigger games. You know, three games against Manchester City for Leon, two wins and a draw, including that quarterfinal win last year. He knows how to set up against a superior force. Um, but we, we, sh- we should give a lot of credit here to, to Ren, shouldn't we, Eric? They they set up perfectly perfectly well to, to, to beat PSG, pressed hard at the pitch, defended in a, in a, in a good shape when they needed to. Um, Suleimana was fantastic on the wing. Laborde was a real threat, a real target man. Um, they, they, they deserve their win, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, you know, this team is still getting... Um, Obviously, a lot of players back to fitness. Um, if we look at, um, you know, the likes of, of Doku is, is not fit yet. Um, I think that's the biggest standout as well. Uh, it's it's definitely, for me, a match that uh, is the combination of a lot of positivity uh, on the part of on the part of, of Ren. I think we saw this down the back end of last season, but um, I think that this team sort of struggled to get to grips with, with the new season. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the loss of Camavinga sort of, sort of 11th hour, um, you know, I, I know he's been a little inconsistent in the last six months, but he still is an integral part of that team. Um, but yeah, now you've got the likes of Jonas Martin, who, you know, has been a fine player in league in the past, but I think a lot of people consider kind of past it and coming into the side Flavian Tay, who I know is a favorite of yours, Adam is, uh, you know, really blossomed in a central midfield role. That's not, it's not quite the role we'd seen him play uh, during his best spells at Angers. Um, but he's really impressing as well. And I, I think that, um, you know, I, again, I think this is a bit of a, a one-off in terms of performance for Ren, but they also had that draw with Spurs. I mean, I think this is a team that, you know, Genesio is, is good at getting teams up for the big matches. And even if it doesn't always come off uh, as well as you'd like in the week in week out basis in Liga, I think that, that, it remains, it remains a fact that um, this Ren side are, 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 can be really impressive to watch. Um, and, you know, I mean, Gaetan Labor, what else can you say? You know, this guy's top scorer in Liga. Um, I, I think, you know, looks a really impressive uh, bit of business, business for Ren. And uh, I, I think that the relationship he's, he's forming with Terrier is, is impressive. And there's more to come from that as, you know, Laborde was also a late arrival and Terrier has had some fitness issues. So uh, my thought is that there's only, only really even one way to go, go for this run side. Um, I don't see them challenging for the champions league. Again, there's a lack of depth in certain positions, but I think by and large, they're, they're a team to keep an eye on uh, at least uh, vis-a-vis making a given match exciting. Yeah, for sure. They definitely are a team to keep an eye on. And, and this is perfect, uh, perfect sort of Genesio territory as well, as, as we said. Um, it's, it's the games in the, against the, the weaker sides that perhaps as at Leon, they, they might struggle. And I, you are absolutely right. Flavian Tay is one of my one of my favourite league and players. And he's done brilliantly adapting to this sort of central midfield role. Not even a, in, as it was originally as part of a three. And now it's almost a, it's sort of a 4-4-2 a la Lille from last season. And he's playing alongside either Baptiste Santamaria or Jonas Martin, who's come in back and come back from injury and done really well. 
Um, but yeah, he's he's such a sort of graceful little player, picks up little spaces, passing's nice, um, carries the ball well. And he was at Angers as a sort of a left-sided attacking midfielder, came in off the left, sometimes plays as number 10, and but he's really adapted brilliant to it, but in a better team as well, um, to, to be have a real impact. So yeah, it's really, really exciting to see. Um I think we should probably still touch on on the on the Champions League as well, Jez, with with PSG's win over Manchester City, because it's, it's a bit of a week of two halves after that that win against City. Everybody was very up on PSG, and and rightly so. It was, I would argue, possibly their sort of most most impressive Champions League display under under QSI ownership. Um, obviously, the the win over Barcelona, the four 0 stands out, but this felt a bit more sort of orchestrated and, and well drilled and professional. And and sort of the game plan played out as as expected. It wasn't a smash smash and grab or a and a high octane sort of you know uh, one two punch like the Barcelona one was. It was a sort of methodical. Here's how we're going to win the game, and we won the game. What do you think is represents the real PSG? Do you think that Manchester City game is a, is a type of thing that we'll see later on in the Champions League? And does that bode well, given how so professional that performance was for the for the later rounds in the in the Champions League for PSG? I think it's it's the sort of template for for how they can win the Champions League, or at least how they can you know face the the, the very top clubs that, that you'd expect them to face later on in the tournament. Um, you know that they, they they definitely rode their luck at times. And City missed those those two sort of sitters in the in the in the one move, and obviously Messi's goal was was a sort of typical bit of genius, but that's exactly what he was signed for, I guess. Um, and it was kind of a little bit like, um, you know, PSG doing what certain clubs try to do to them and maybe what, what Ren did to them yesterday, sort of um, sit back, soak up a bit of pressure and, and then um, hit on the break. And, and um, I think because of the, the sort of the profile of certain players, like obviously Mbappe, like Hakimi, people like that, maybe that's and Verratti sort of picking off passes, I, you know, maybe sort of chipped over the top to, to Mbappe, that kind of thing. I think that might be their, their, their sort of best way forward in, in those bigger matches. Um, but yeah, I think sort of, I guess, going back to what I said earlier, we, we know that they've got all the, all the parts there. It's just a question of sort of motivation, concentration, and then that, that little bit, bit of either luck on one side or, or genius on the other. Um, I think when you get to the later stages, it's the generally the the teams that win the Champions League are the the, the ones who play as a team, um, and that's what PSG so often don't do. But that is exactly what we saw against Manchester City. Um, maybe Messi aside, but that's not what he's there for. You know, we we saw even Neymar and Mbappe mucking in and, and doing their sort of you know press you know maybe not as much as you'd like sort of coming back to help their fullbacks but certainly pressing from the front um and i guess you know gay on the other on the other hand sort of although he's kind of slightly more defensively minded doing his bit pushing forward we've now discovered that um not discovered but probably knew it already but you know Verratti in that slightly different role as a as the deepest lying midfielder but in a sort of quarterback position um excelling there so I think definitely that is the way forward but I just think again it's it's this motivation thing and I think that's you know it, it's a bad weekend to talk about it because Bayern lost at home this weekend as well and funny enough it was 
pretty much PSG goalkeeper who, who helped them secure the defeat. But um, I think that's often been the difference between PSG and Bayern. And although PSG will more often than not sort of sleepwalk their way to the title, they often, I, I don't like it when everyone says PSG can't win the Champions League because they win Ligue 1 so easily. Bayern generally win the Bundesliga easily, but the difference is that they, they always seem switched on every match. They're not, you know, they're not sort of, they never kind of accidentally draw or lose a match because it doesn't matter because they're going to win the league anyway. They go out, they go all out every match. And that's what I find that sometimes PSG or certain PSG players don't do. Um, and I think if, if we could have a bit more of that, which I guess we didn't see um, against Ren. Ren were brilliant, but I do think PSG had a very poor performance. Um, if they can maintain those those sort of levels and sort of striving for excellence week in, week out, then it's going to be easier to switch it on or just go up that extra level against the bigger teams in the Champions League. PSG, top of the league. What makes this result the most most frustrating for me is Nice. Uh, if, if the whole shenanigans with Marseille ha- hadn't happened, they'd be four points behind um after their win this weekend they've only lost once as well and you know who knows there could be some sort of title race on of but they've got to replay that game for Marseille and they've already been deducted a point which which who knows might might not be you know or, you know might have ruled them out already but PSG still top Lens in second after nine games 18 points brilliant start for them and Nice currently third Angers uh in fourth Marseille and Monaco just outside the top four at the moment Eric Monaco had another win this weekend. That was the third in a row in Ligon. Um, they got a respectable draw away at Real Sociedad in, in the week in with a very understrength side, actually, against uh, against Real Sociedad in the Europa League. Uh, it feels like things are gathering pace a little bit for Kovac, a little bit like they did last season. They started relatively slowly and then were brilliant in 2021, as we as we discussed last week. But uh, one player stood out in this in this game for me and has done all season is uh, Aurelien Tuchemeni. I feel like he's not going to be at Monaco very long. And he's, what makes him so good? Yeah, I think it was an excellent win for Monaco. First clean sheet in the league. And uh, yeah, certainly Tuchemeni, you know, is is contributing to that. I mean, he's he's come on leaps and bounds since he came from Bordeaux. Um, you know, a player who's, who's dynamic, who is adept at breaking up play. But I think more and more, and he's spoken about this um, under the encouragement of Kovac to join in the attack, to to use uh, his abilities to, to get forward. Um, I think particularly playing alongside a, a player like Elliot Matazo yesterday might have allowed him a bit of a longer leash. I think it's a, it depends upon whom he's played next to. I think, you know, sort of maybe like N'Golo Kante or Paul Pogba. Uh, I'm not saying Chomani is the same sort of player, but I think that those players tend to take a more defensive role and more, um, not necessarily a more negative role, but tend to sit a little bit deeper depending on who's played alongside them. Uh, normally, Chimeni's played along Yusuf Fafana, who we know is a more positive player in terms of goals, assists, dribbles, but a more of a creative influence. But alongside Mutazo yesterday, um, I think he certainly looks, um, you know, more likely to be let off the leash. Yeah, he was involved in two goals yesterday, scoring one and helping to set up another. So, um, Hopefully that continues. Uh, you know, is he going to be not long for Monaco? I think that really depends. If the club don't seem to be any, under pressure and under any pressure to sell at this point in time, but uh, I certainly do think that he will be. Uh, he will not be long for the Principality Club. I, I think he's the sort of player who I could see a move. You know, 60, 70, 80 million coming in for him. Uh, sort of money that I think would be hard to say no to if we harken back to. You know, when Monaco were selling players in the wake of that title win five years ago. So 
uh, yeah, great, great start to the season. I think that uh, you aptly draw parallels between Monaco's start to this season and last. Um, Voland and Ben Yedder seem to be uh, clicking once more. Uh, I think that's five goals in the season for Ben Yedder after score, he scored yesterday. Um, well, they had dealt with some injuries. Um, you know, Crepin Diata has been injured. Sofian Diop has been injured. Uh, Gibral Sidibe missed out uh, as well yesterday, I believe. Um, I think the squad has enough depth to effectively can, uh, compete on two fronts and to continue to press um, for a place in the top three. Um, you know, Lons are in second. They've had a strong start to the season, but it's not as if there's a big gap between uh, the northern side and those chasing them. So, uh, again, I said before the season that, uh, you know, I viewed Monaco as, as a strong side, a strong competitor for, for PSG. Um, I still do think that Nice are probably, based on the first quarter of the season, the best among those among that chasing pack, given they don't have an involvement in Europe. But, um, you know, it seems to me Monaco are starting to really starting to go from strength to strength. And Chiamani is just a, you know, one example of the ability of Kovacs to develop players and to get more out of them. Yeah, they've had a long history of, of that type of coach because Leonardo Jardim was obviously very good at that as well. And Monaco have a history of sort of young, bringing through younger players uh, over the course of their sort of recent, recent past, especially, and even, even longer. And yeah, it, seems, it feels like that sort of, sort of paradigm is kind of picked up under Kovacs with the development of young players. They've reverted back to that prime Jardim kind of era with the experienced players and the, the complemented by some, you know, prominent and progressing young players. Um, and, you know, I, I think I agree. They, they certainly could um, pose a real threat to the, the top three um, this season. Looking a little bit further down the table, we've got Lorient still in seventh, Lille in eighth, uh, and Eric proving me and Jez wrong with Nantes in ninth uh, from our preview part at the start of the year. We were not particularly excited about Nantes, but they've been brilliant so far. Lyon in tenth. Um, the derby yesterday was, uh, was a lot of fun, I thought, between Lyon and, and Sinetien, Sunday night game, primetime game, great atmosphere at the Chaudron. Um, Sinetien stealing a, a point. Um, Jez, Etienne Green was brilliant for Sinetien, um, declared for England in the, in the, in the summer, just born in Colchester, but has spent a lot of his time in, in France and uh, seems perfectly suited for, for Lever at uh, Sinetien being called Etienne Green as well, which is, which is my favourite thing about French football ever, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, Sinetien, I feel that they're better than, than this position suggesting. Uh, Green is a, is a big part of that. And they, they've had a terrible start. They have only have no wins, nine games, four draws, but they've played a lot. They've played five, I think, of the last season's top seven. And Nice, who, who obviously impressed uh, this season. Is Claude Poirot in trouble? How good is Etienne Green? And Arsene Etienne actually just a mid-table t- uh, side, but with with a terrible run of fixtures. I think that they're definitely better than their their position in the table suggests. As you said, it hasn't been the easiest start to the season. It's still, for the most part, a young team. And and for me, the the concern is that when you're playing, when you have a young team you want those sort of two or three more experienced players to to be kind of more consistent and lead from the front. And I just think the likes of Kazri and Budabuz are sort of so mercurial that they're not necessarily the greatest examples for, for the younger players. But I, I, I really think that there is enough talent there that I, I don't think they'll be, they'll be troubled by relegation ultimately. Um, what I guess as usual is a sort of frustrating thing and, you know, Saint-Étienne aren't alone in this, is the, the sort of intensity that, that they showed last night. And, and I think I read in one report, sort of, they, they described it as a sort of 
refusal to lose, which certainly in the last sort of quarter, even though they, they sort of stood toe-to-toe with me on the whole match, certainly the last quarter, I think, was a good description of how they played. Um, you want to see that every match. And I know, obviously, lots of teams sort of raise their game and play differently in in, in derbies, but um, maybe that's one of the things that's been, been missing at times this season. Um, as for, for Green... I think we saw at the end of last season what a good keeper he was. And I, I felt like there's been a couple of matches recently where he'd sort of gone off that level a little bit, but he was fantastic this, this last night. And um, I think, you know, it, the match could easily have sort of been, I don't know, seven all or something. I think there were there were four goals disallowed. The woodwork was hit a couple of times. Um, Lopez made a couple of decent saves as well. And, and Green, you know, four or five fantastic saves. So, um he is, you know, he, you you mentioned Aouar and, and we saw in Liverpool Man City yesterday the ridiculous um, spectacle of, of two players being named jointly men of the match. But actually, in in last night's match, last night's match, I think it would have been very fair if um, to to sort of give it to, to Aouar and Green equally because they both played such, such an important part in the match. And there were a couple of times where it was literally sort of. Um, you know the two of them as a as a sort of mini subplot. I think there was a fantastic volley and also a very good header by Alwa that were both brilliantly clawed out by by Green. Um, so yeah, the long and short of it, I think, is that Saint-Étienne definitely have the enough quality. They shouldn't be where they are. To what extent, sort of, that's Puel's fault, and whether he's under pressure, I don't know. I mean, he you know he got his team playing well yesterday, so I think it definitely sort of buys him. Um, I'd have thought at least the international break. I think if they'd lost yesterday or certainly lost badly, it would have been a very good time to to get rid of him. But I think it probably gives him a little, has earned him a little bit of breathing space. Um, and I think they should they should be kicking on if they've got a, a sort of um, friendlier set of fixtures to cut to come up. Then that that's probably where you know where you really should be just judging Saint Etienne based on on the teams that you'd expect to be around them. Um, but that, you know certainly yesterday's performance gave them a lot to build on yeah i think that's definitely the case when they start to play those teams around they'll get a real good idea of where they actually fit because i think they've actually performances have been been okay so far and um, performances improving at leon eric um this sort of fluid front four they've got going with pakatar playing as a number nine and doing it really well in the last couple of games our back on form looking like the player as i said at the beginning of the pod that we kind of expect him to be um, how do you see Lille at the moment? And is this something that stays even when Moussin Dembele is, is fit again and this time Somali's fit again? Do they keep this front four with Kambi, who's sort of finding that inside left position um, and, and, you know, getting the best out of him as well? Um, is this something that perhaps Bosch has sort of stumbled across and could be a long-term solution? I, no. If Paquetta is a nine, no. I, I think Moussin Dembele, uh, you know, we saw, I think I think he's got four, four, four goals in four games this season in the league. Um, I think he's you know incredibly effective as a as a as a point as a lead point of attack there. You know, I think all things being equal, I would probably have Aouar on the left, Toko Kambi on the right, uh Paqueta as a 10, no place for Jordan Shakiri. Um, at least until he's shown he's shown he can consistently deliver uh, at at a at a certain at the necessary level. Um, you know, that's nothing against him as a player, but I, I think that he's a long way from being match fit. Um, and I I, I worry. Uh, you know, going forward, a player of his age, there's a lot of a lot of miles there. I mean, he, he he left Basel at a very young age, um, and he's been you know been playing regularly a lot of football. I think that um, you know dealt with a lot of injuries at Liverpool as well. Um, 
I think until he's shown definitively that he, he can be a, a key part of this attack, um, I, I would leave him on the bench. And that sounds controversial. I know he's an exciting player, but um, I think that, um, yeah, Dembele coming back is the best thing for Leon. And even if Paqueta uh, has, has shown himself to be effective over at least these last two matches against Brombu and, um, and against Sente, um, great. But I don't think that's, that's necessarily a long-term solution. Um, I think that anybody who's watched uh, Paqueta in the year if he's been at Leon um, knows his best position is, is as a 10 in a 4-2-3-1. So um, I think it needs must for the time being if you've got you know, two of your first two of your first three strikers out um, and, you know, effective enough, but definitely not a long-term solution. And Leon have been playing better. Yeah. It's just been really frustrating uh, to have, you know, some close calls go against them yesterday um, to have, again, the, the disappointment that lost to PSG, that the uh, red card uh, with Emerson being sent off the other match as well. Um, you know, it's it's great that Bosch has the team motivated to be playing like this and it's generating a lot of excitement. But I do worry, you know, if the results don't come. They have been in Europe. I mean, they they looked they looked very good against Brombo and against Rangers. But I think if the results don't, don't start coming in the league, I mean, let's face it, Leon are still close enough, plenty close enough to the top three that, that that's well within their reach. Um, they took some a typical while to get going last season as well. Uh, I think they didn't really start hitting their stride until. Yeah, about this time, about the second international break. Um, they went on a real tear until Christmas that took them to the top of the table. Um, so there is an opportunity to do that. But uh, how well they're going to be able to negotiate doing that whilst playing European football um, does give me some pause. Um, I think the fact that they have le- left points on the table here, I mean, if you look at, I would say probably the draw against Lorient, um, this results in at least not getting a point from PSG. That's five points that they don't have. Um, you know, will that be telling come the end of the season? I would have to think yes. Um, so yes, the the motivation, the drive for PSG is great, but the results have to come, uh, I think, or, or frustration is going to start to set in uh, for this squad. Yeah, definitely. I think the interesting it's interesting when Shakiri doesn't look 100% fit, does he? And uh, his performances have been very up and down so far. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Dembele does come back because I think if you give him if you give him every game, he's going to score a lot of goals in in Ligue 1. Uh, just to round off the pod, Jez, um, very sadly, uh, former Marseille president Bernard Tappy passed away yesterday. Um, a lot of uh, 78, uh, a lot of tributes uh, uh, in, in the French media for, for the, he was Marseille president between what, 86 and 1994. Um, just to round off the pod in, in the last couple of minutes, tell us about uh, Bernard Tappy, who he was and, and his impact on Marseille because it was massive, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he's, although he's not, wasn't originally from Marseille. I think his his sort of character and, and um, I get yeah personality and maybe even sort of way of working was so sort of suited to Marseille that it, it probably was natural that that they should sort of um, be attracted to each other. And he, yeah, as as the boss of Marseille, he effectively sort of he took over the club when they were a little bit in the doldrums. I think they, they'd had a good period in the 70s, but hadn't done much for a while. And, and he came in with a lot of sort of razzmatazz, a lot of money and, um, you know, brought in a lot of, of top players, both from France and abroad. Um, to be fair to him, not always kind of absolutely stellar names. You know, even you could argue Chris Waddle was not necessarily the immediate name that anyone would think of as a sort of 
um, you know, someone who'd, who'd come into France and, and become one of the, the huge stars of, of the league. But he, he sort of had this amazing kind of, um, yeah, force of character and business now to, to bring these players in on good deals and have them, um, although he wasn't the coach, I think you, you, it's probably fair to say that a lot of the players, the way they speak of him, it's kind of like, People spoke of, of Mourinho in his heyday, you know, that people would sort of, you know, take bullets and run through walls for him. And, and um, so many of the players have been speaking so fondly of him. And of course, the bottom line is that under him, Marseille won the only Champions League or European Cup that, that any French club has ever won. Um, and I, I guess, again, maybe sort of in the image of Marseille, you kind of have to take the rough with the smooth and, and you have to acknowledge that certainly not everything he did was entirely above board, both on and off the football pitch. And there's obviously the, the sort of huge black mark of the um, match fixing issue with the Valenciennes match and the fact that the 1993 Ligue 1 title was, was stripped from them. Um, and, you know, did that affect in some, you know, was, was anything... Did anything dodgy happen on the way to their Champions League win? He would turn around and say, well, you know, look what happened to us a couple of years earlier where we were knocked out by Benfica to a blatant handball. And, and possibly that was sort of his and Marseille's and French football's learning curves about the dark side of football and how some of these things work. And I think in, in the sense that he was this sort of huge personality as a chairman, that he, um, you know, he certainly, I think, kind of oversaw the change in the French league from a sort of, dare I say, sort of farmer's league, you know, a very kind of rural, small fry outlook to the sort of razzmatazz that we now see, again, not so much in France, sort of overtaken by other leagues, but um, bringing France into sort of the modern, the French football into the modern age. I think he he led that and is almost a forerunner, which has now been overtaken by so many flash presidents in other countries. But a huge part of French football, for better or worse, and he's certainly one of those people like so much about Marseille that you just couldn't take your eyes off him. And, and whether you loved him or hated him or loved to hate him, a fantastic character and, and another big loss. Yes, absolutely. That brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at GFFN and, of course, the website Get Football News France. A massive thanks to Jeremy Smith and Eric Devin. I've been Adam White. We'll see you next week. Have a great week and enjoy the football.